have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. Good afternoon. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Please follow us on social media at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at BWS Today. This week's show will take a look at branding, branding for large scale distribution with a special guest whose products are featured in Costco, Kroger, Harris Teeter, Total Wine, and coming soon, Walmart. We are so excited. But first, a word on the new trade agreement signed into law this month. The U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement has been described as impressive by lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. Fulfilling President Trump's campaign promise to renegotiate unfair trade deals that hurt American workers, the U.S.-MCA guarantees a number of important protections for business. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. It is incumbent upon us to examine the kinds of decisions that will have a positive impact on economic development across the board. And this agreement is certainly one of them. Three important takeaways from the new agreement. First, in order to qualify for zero tariffs up from 62.5%, The USMCA now requires that 75% of their components be manufactured in the United States, Canada, or Mexico beginning in 2020. Not only that, but 40% of the work done on a vehicle must be completed by workers earning at least $16 per hour. Next, under the USMCA, Canada loosens its dairy protections, allowing for more US imports, increasing that share of the market. These new laws also deliver stronger protections for intellectual property that raise the Trans-Pacific Partnership from 10 years against the former five years. Both the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce and National Black Chamber of Commerce applaud these efforts, agreeing that this represents a definite modernization of the prior agreement that will allow Black-owned businesses to be much more competitive. Hashtag our numbers matter. USBC President Ron Busby has said this, Black-owned businesses are one of the fastest-growing segments of the American economy. Tapping into our neighborhood markets will allow our entrepreneurs to grow and create wealth and jobs throughout our community. We commend our trade delegation for ensuring that both Canada and Mexico are at the table. We look forward to working closely with the administration in raising awareness of the new opportunities for Black-owned businesses. Two-thirds of the world's purchasing power and 95% of consumers live beyond United States borders. In today's economy, it's crucial that Black-owned businesses expand globally, and this agreement helps to facilitate that. USBC Inc. includes a specific focus on exporting in its 2018 Black Print publication. It also says and recommends that the government develop trade policies that ensure Black-owned companies have fair opportunities abroad with the accorded intellectual property protection in foreign markets. Bravo! The agreement moves us in the right direction. 
With that, I'd like to introduce our guest for today. In the spirit of National Women's Small Business Month, we have a very impressive businesswoman who tells a phenomenal story about how downsizing and a car accident created a soon-to-be national wine company. Let's welcome Gwen Hurt of Shoe Crazy Wine. Gwen, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Blair, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and any um, help or insights that I can provide to your listeners. Thanks so much, Gwen. First off, just a moment of congratulations. Of the right around 2.6 million Black-owned businesses in the country, only about 4% of those are employer firms. And within that statistic, only 35% are actually owned by women. Mm -hmm. So you've accomplished a tremendous milestone just in your existence. I'm just so proud. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No, thank you so much. So can you tell us the story? Where did Shoe Crazy Wine come from? Well, Shoe Crazy Wine... um was, as you stated, was born out of a national, a downsizing. So I um, got that call that a lot of folks have heard before when your boss tells you HR is on the phone and you know then that it's not going to be a very good conversation for you as an employee. Um, I was an executive at a Fortune 100 company and I built an organization within that company uh, globally. And so they needed and wanted, they said, a different skill set. So they were looking for someone with an Ivy League degree. I worked for a Chinese company at the time. Um, And so normally in IT, it's every two or three years. We call it a restructuring, a bloodletting, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. This particular time, um, it was a little different. Because two days after that announcement, um, I was in a car accident with my daughter in Raleigh. Um, Pretty bad car accident. Gentleman hit us at a red light going 55 miles an hour. So he did some damage to both my back, my neck, and my daughter's uh, hip. And in doing so, things changed for me. It was no longer a, this is a two or three year structuring, you know, restructuring that these companies go through. Um, I was actually unable to uh, walk without assistance. And I decided to take the um, physical therapy route to get healthy because I didn't want to have back pain problems the rest of my life. And right. in doing so, that was a decision um, that would put me out of the workforce for at a minimum um, eight to nine months. And, and after being depressed and crying and crying about my situation, no job, I could barely walk um, without assistance, um, I decided to do something about it. And that something was to go into the wine business. And I didn't know how I would do it. Um, and I just announced to my daughter, we're going into the wine business. And her, her question to me was, how many drugs did they give you at the hospital? And my answer was, <laughs> not enough to stay in this room and do nothing. And yeah. so I made the decision to um, launch a wine company. Uh, Shoe Crazy had already been named in 2006 when I made some wine in my kitchen okay. from a kit. Okay. And my daughter said, name it something you love. And I said, I'm crazy about shoes. So Shoe Crazy Wine was born as a brand in 2006. It didn't become a company until uh, December of 2013. So we launched as an online direct-to-consumer company. So that's kind of a long answer to a short question. <laughs> No, I love it. So you were actually making wine in your kitchen. I did. as, as, a, as you know, It was a little hobby. I had a kit and I made some Chianti and I had to put a label on it. So that's where it all started. The dream to own a vineyard one day started in that kitchen. Um, as you might imagine, it's a lot of money to own a vineyard. So I just I got into the wine business as a white label or private label. I trademarked Shoe Crazy Wine. Um, my logo was developed by my daughter's um, 
uh, friend. I told her what I wanted, a lady sitting in a shoe holding a wine glass. And she sketched it out and, you know, and created that whole look that was in my head for years. And so we trademarked um, Shoe Crazy. The first thing we did was copyright it and then trademark it. I recommend anybody that's going into business, your first step should be to copyright your logo, create the logo, copyright it, and then trademark it. Wow. So I understand that the process of getting to Walmart Mm -hmm. was probably almost as significant as getting a yes from them. Yes. Can you kind of bring us from there to here? Yeah, so it's it's been a journey, four and a half year journey. Um, I made the decision uh, early on to get out of the direct-to-consumer business, which was an e-commerce play. We couldn't play against the big boys. Um, you're, at the time, um, Amazon and you know was in the wine selling business at that time. I think they've pulled out since. But we had Club W and all these other ones that had free shipping. And as a small company just getting into the business, we couldn't offer that. So we had a lot of drop shopping carts. So my journey to Walmart started there. I, you know, went back home and said, okay, now what? Um, So I decided to sell into retailers, restaurants, you know, wine shops, grocery stores. And you learn very quickly that as a new brand, distributors will not pick you up. Hmm. I sent out thousands of dollars worth of wine samples to distributors and was told no for one reason or another. Um, There's a laundry list of no's, so I can't even (laughs) call them out. But then I said, okay, now, Miss Entrepreneur, now what? Um, So my next step was to become a distributor, to figure out what do I need to do to become a distributor. So in every state, there are different laws and guidelines for becoming a distributor. All of that's available at the ABC um, website. Uh, because sure. Virginia is an ABC state, so they have a you know application, the whole thing, um, as to what you need to do. I became a distributor in Virginia and put my wine in a, a little trolley and started knocking on doors. Okay. And so my first retailer, again, was a woman, um, the Urban Farmhouse and Marketplace in Richmond. She said someone took a chance on her when she started her business. She was going to take a chance on me. And she was our first retailer. So again, the steps leading up to uh, large enterprise is what I call them. Uh, I made the decision to go after your Costco's, your Kroger's, your Total Wine and more. um, Big, mid to big enterprise um, retailers. With that, the decision was made by me. Again, it was a personal choice. And I tell people, look at where you want to go with your business. If you want to start a distribution company, wine, spirits or whatever. Um, decide who you want to play with. You want to play with the big boys or do you want the low-hanging fruit? I opted to go with the with the bigger boys, which is a longer sales cycle. So it's anywhere from two years to three years to close a deal. And so we did. We closed our first retailers. Total Wine & More came on about a year ago. Okay. And then the U.S. Black Chamber of Commerce. Um, I met Ron Busby mm-hmm. at a local um, African-American Chamber of Commerce in Richmond. Okay. And took a picture. You know, you do the handshakes. And yes, yes. Got the business card. And he's like, you know, we've got, you know, the U.S. Black Chambers out of D.C. You should consider joining. And so I did list my business on their, um, their web portal. And I got an email. I got the newsletters every week, you know, right, right. and you read some of it. Some of you don't. Let's be honest. Sometimes you don't have time to read the whole thing. Yes, indeed. So I did. I saw in one of the newsletters that Walmart had an open call. And I thought, huh, I don't know. So I deleted that one, but it came through again. And I thought, oh, let me just respond back um, to Brian. And so I did. I responded back to Brian and said, I'd like to you know, apply for the open call. And so he said, here's the link. You know, and I thought, I'll just, you know, go to the link. I filled in everything and thought they'll never call me. I'm a wine company, right? Wow. 
Uh, not two days later, I got an email back saying, you know, we'd like to have some more information about Shoe Crazy. And then they asked us to come in to present. I had like two weeks to get <laughs> to get prepared. And I thought, wait a minute, uh, we're going to Bentonville to present at their corporate headquarters. Uh, I was just actually pretty flummoxed that um, they saw something that they felt would be a fit for, for Walmart. And so at that Let me just interject mm-hmm. for a uh-huh. moment. Which month, which month was this? This was in June. June. June, okay. June 1st, and the open call, I believe, was June 13th. Because as it turns out, mm-hmm. they have now launched, or in the process of launching, their own private label wine. They've which always. was a decision that they yes. made recently? Or? Oh, they've always had. Yeah, they've had private labels themselves. Um, when we went there, I figured I, I, I saw a lot of the the private label uh, products that they have. So they actually have a private label open call as well. Okay. So they okay. will buy your brand and great value, you know, is their product. Um, their wine has different names, um, but they've decided to go, I guess, uh, more national with that play. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Go on with All your right. story. So you show up yep. in Bentonville. Uh, actually, what I did was is I called pulled together a team put together our pitch. Um, so most people were thinking this is like a shark tank type of thing, right? Okay. I didn't look at it that way. To me, it's I'm going to be sitting and pre- pre- uh, pre- you know um, presenting my products in the best light that I can present them. I don't care about personality, show your smile, show your energy. You need to show your products and show your supply chain and show your cost of goods. And so I took it from a business approach. Um, and I say this to anybody presenting to a big box retailer. Okay, go in with the best team that you've got. And so what we did is I pulled my son, um, who is uh, has been in retail for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I asked him to come on board um, because he could speak the sales language and that type of thing. Edwin, who's our operations and finance, he's got the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you the story about Shoe Crazy, where it came from, what we're doing, you know. And so that was the team I pulled together because you can only bring a couple people with you. And then I asked them, who am I presenting to? And they said, two to three buyers. And where am I presenting? They send you a little video. The room is like a two by two. <laughs> the room yes. is so small. So you've got a small environment with two to three people. And um, so that was kind of the foundation. Okay, I know what I'm preparing for. And uh, some of the comments that came back were, you know, um, to people that had presented before was basically, you know, you're, you've got to show them who you are. You've got to show them your energy and blah, blah, blah. And so I took that into account as well. But I was looking more at the business side. Right. Walmart wants to make money. They don't care if you can sing or dance. You know, they want to make money. That's their, that's their model. It's value to their customer. Right. So I needed to offer them value to their customer. And so we did, I, we put together the pitch deck. I had my section, Evan had his section, Dan had his section, and we decided to drive to Bentonville. Okay. So we rented a car. Okay. And instead of staying in the hotel that they wanted us to stay in, we rented a house. Because I wanted to practice those charts so that when I gave it to them, they each got a chart, we got nothing. Mm. But we should be able to regurgitate every line in those charts. Like I'm talking to you right now. And in order to do that, we needed to practice that. So on the way to Bentonville, we stopped at Walmart. We looked at their wine section. We looked at their marketplace. We looked at their big box. You know, they have these huge centers. So we stopped there all on the way to, to um, um, Bentonville, Arkansas. We stopped at quite a few Walmarts in the different states that we drove through. And I knew their aisles as well as they did by the time I got there. 
I did my research on where's Walmart looking to grow. What's their five-year, 10-year growth strategy? You can get that off of Google, most of it. They're not gonna give you a lot of details on their numbers, sure. but you'll be able to quote their president, which I did, I put his quote in there. Love um, it. You know, do a little research. I didn't have a lot of time either. So mm -hmm. I had two weeks to kind of pull together as much as I could. So you were already prepared, we were prepared by the time this opportunity. We walked in there. Yeah. Yeah, by the time we walked in there, we found out about the opportunity and we started preparing. Mm -hmm. Okay, it'd be better if we had had two months, we had two weeks. Um, so, and again, pulling together the right person on your team. Now, my daughter has been in this business with me since the beginning. I did not ask her to come with me. I didn't need a social media marketing person with me. And you have to explain to your team, I'm going to pick the talent that needs to deliver the results with these big box retailers. Sure. And you may have to hurt some feelings, but you have to make sure that you have a company <laughs> that they're going to work for for the next five or 10 years or whatever. So that's what I did. I put together the, the best team that I could put together for that. And then we did our research. And when we got there, you know, we gave them, we, we found out that there was no electronics. Everything was going to be manual. So we printed out their charts and their deck and we gave it to them and we had nothing because we already knew what was in them, right? And so I introduced myself and the company. We started pouring the little wine. If you're selling peanuts, you're going to start serving your peanuts, okay, you know, whatever. Okay, so provided a sample. Yeah, you provide your samples. Um, so we, um, you know, we, I was pouring the wine while I was talking, basically. And, you, you know, it's a relaxed atmosphere. You want the people that you're talking to to feel relaxed as well. And so they were tasting while I was talking. I finished my piece, which was, this is what shoe crazy is. This is how it came about. And then that was a segue for Daniel to take the sales piece. What are you gonna do for sales and marketing, Mr. Walmart? <laughs> this is what we're gonna do. This is what we see that we need to do for you. Okay, again, just going by what we've researched over two weeks. So he finished his piece on the sales and marketing side, you know, and then he segued into the cost of goods. Here comes the numbers. This is what's really important to them. How much is your product gonna cost and how much can I make on it? And will my consumers and my, my shoppers wanna buy it because it's the right price? So we did all of that. Edwin took his piece, you know, went through the numbers. They had a couple of questions um, about the cost of goods, um, our supply chain. Can we deliver product if they put us in X number of stores? I built my supply chain before I had a customer. That's another thing. Build Huge. your supply chain. Build your supply chain. Before we get back to our conversation with Gwen Hurt of Shoe Crazy Wine, it's time for our hashtag add this to the list segment. And today we are adding companies to the list that have a focus on supplier diversity. And Walmart is certainly one of them. Other companies that have a proven track record with black business owners and a serious commitment to the growth of our own companies are Bank of America, Apple, Johnson & Johnson, Kroger, MGM Resorts International, and State Farm for a complete listing of the top supplier diversity companies in the country. You can visit Black Enterprise. Welcome back, Gwen. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Looks like we've got a caller already. Hello. Black Wall Street today. This is Blair Durham. Who's calling in? Hey, Blair, this is Patty. How you doing this morning or this afternoon? Patty, good afternoon. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from Norfolk, Virginia. Awesome, awesome. What's your question for Gwen? Yes, good afternoon, Gwen. How are you doing? Good, Patty. How are you? I'm doing very well. So as I'm a business owner, um, and I currently have, I'm a graphic designer, 
but I'm currently working on another plan where I want to purchase commercial real estate. Um, and I don't have the capital right now. So I guess my, my question would be, um, do you recommend, like, how do I raise capital? If I want to, because I have a pitch that's ready, but I don't have any capital that has been raised towards it. So what do you think is the best, um, best way to raise capital through venture capitalists? Um, should I go venture capitalist way? Should I go angel? Should I look for angel investors? Should I stop building my own capital? Or what do you recommend at this point as I'm starting? as I'm starting this process. Okay, so... Great question. My, great question, yes. My recommendation would be to uh, do a traditional loan if you can. That would be the first thing I would recommend. Um, going to a bank, if you have a great FICO score. Uh, one of the things I learned about uh, becoming an entrepreneur is that we I've invested my own money. And what I should have done is I should have uh, used my own money as um, collateral and taking out a bank loan for my first uh, round of funding is what I should have done. I didn't do that. I used my own money. And in, in doing so, uh, because the business that I'm in is very, um, uh, God, it's a tough it's a tough industry. It's big. It's very competitive. Um, and in doing so, I just ruined my FICO score. So I didn't have an option to go back uh, to a bank, a traditional bank. Um, and I learned the hard way that I should have done that first. So that would be my first recommendation. If you have a great credit rating and you can go traditional, go traditional to start. And don't use your own money if you don't have to. Okay. And what we're doing now is we are doing a capital raise um, for that very reason. We're expanding out into Walmart and we're going to need to buy an awful lot of wine <laughs> from our supplier. Um and therefore, we are going to need capital. So we're doing a traditional capital raise now with a convertible note looking to VCs and private investors. And so that would be my second suggestion. Okay, thank you so much. You're and I, I, my, excuse me? No, I said you're welcome. Go ahead. Okay. And my second question, like, okay, I see so many people that do their online campaigns, do Kickstarter, GoDaddy. Do you think that... Um, is that a good way to do it, or would you? Are you doing your own individual campaign? You're reaching out to individual people with your own pitch, and not going through um, a third-party um, platform such as Kickstarter or GoDaddy. Okay. Not GoDaddy, but um, what's the other one? GoFundMe. I'm sorry. And GoFundMe, Indiegogo. GoFundMe is really for, I think, if, at least what I've seen is for if there's a tragedy or something that's happening, and you need someone to help a family out. Um, that tends to be what GoFundMe does better with. Um, Indiegogo is another platform. Um, you know, you could take that route if you have a compelling story. Here's my, here was my experience with those platforms. Um, I have a traditional product, which is wine, right? Um, the, the breweries and distilleries and things like that um, seem to be able to do better than, say, a winery or a wine company, which is what I am. Um, they want... You have to give out some sort of a, you know, a prize or whatever. Um, so if you're a brewery or a distillery, you can say you have your own chair in the distillery and you can come in with five friends uh, kind of as a, as a gift for donating. Um, and my business, um, I didn't have that option because Virginia doesn't allow me to give away wine. Okay. So, right. So I would say if you have a compelling story and a product that you can that you can raise funds on those platforms then you definitely do it. Okay, well, thank you so much for advice, and I will def definitely be applying some of your tips to my own business planning. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Perfect. Patty, thanks so much for calling Come in. Again. Thank you. 
So Gwen, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the capital raise. I felt like that was a that's a very interesting question um, in terms of going from where you are now to mm-hmm. even being ready for a Walmart. Right. So we, you know, we looked at uh, the fact that they're going to start us in three states. So they're going to start us in Georgia, North Carolina, and Virginia, and probably up to three or four hundred stores. We okay. still haven't gotten that number yet. Okay. And if you want to expand out beyond that, what do you have to do? You have to move those wine bottles off the shelf and into a cart, right? Exactly. Um, So we looked at what are we going to need to market? How are we going to market this? It wouldn't be just a traditional social media play. It would be a digital play. Okay. Um, That's going to cost money. And we have to have boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. So going into these brick and mortars, you have to have somebody checking to make sure dust is not collecting on your wine. If it's not moving, why isn't it moving? And what can we do to help it move? Um, So we put in place a very um, aggressive budget for that. Hiring people, our product, we have to have um, the wine ready to go when they say here are the stores they need to be delivered to. And we need to have marketing so that people know before it gets on the shelf that it's there. So what we decided to do is digital um, advertising, which is your pop-ups, geofencing. So every time someone is near one of those Walmarts, a Shoe Crazy Wine logo or a little mini video will pop up. Okay. So by the time that shopper, that Walmart shopper or non-Walmart shopper, because we're trying to incent people to go into Walmart to look for the product, uh, when they get in there and they see it, they'll already know it. They'll be familiar with it. So we want to start that campaign in January. And in doing so, we're on an aggressive capital raise. (laughs) Aggressive. (laughs) Aggressive. How close are you to goal? We are close. We are close, Um, which is is very nice. We're still in negotiations. Um, The terms and conditions are what you have to work out. Um, I just hired LeClaire Ryan um, out of Richmond. Um, They've been in that business for 20 some odd years. And so they'll be helping us draft up those T's and C's and presenting them to our prospective uh, investors. So here's a question. So mm-hmm. you, you get a yes from Walmart, mm-hmm. right? Walmart is listed as one of the top supplier diversity companies. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that they hold your hand through the next steps of that process? Are they assisting with any aspect of how you would market? How are they positioning you for success? Okay, so let, let me take a step back. The, the open call that I went to was buy American, support American. Okay. 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 So that was um, the entire um, genesis of this was we're going to buy American. They set aside a couple billion dollars to buy American, support American manufacturing and companies. So this is almost like a campaign that they're running separate from their traditional. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, So um, what I'm told, and, you know, we're still working through this because this just happened in June, end of June. Um, We're going to go in in April of 2019. So, which was great because it gave us an opportunity to make sure we're ready, you know, when it's time to do that delivery. Um, So what I'm told is they will help with marketing, you know, some of our marketing support. Um, They're basically going to, um, you know, they want to ensure that you're successful there. It's part of their reason for doing this. Okay. So they're not going to let you just fall on your face, I guess, is the way I would say it. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Love to take another call, 757-727-5711, if you have a question for Gwen. Gwen. Yes. On En route to the mm-hmm. to the finished capital race, mm-hmm. I understand that you've got some other pieces that you're looking mm-hmm. to put together. Yeah. What, what are some of your needs right now? Well, our needs are, um, you know, in terms of the capital race? Just in general, you're yeah. looking for... 
for boaters? Oh, looking yep. for so samplers? It, yep, we're hiring people. Okay. Um, and right now, we're mm. looking to hire um, brand ambassadors and wine promoters, uh, especially in this area. In Hampton Roads? In Hampton Roads, okay. uh, Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, um, this entire area. And we're looking for them to um, go into the Total Wines right now and do wine tastings to get acclimated with what we're doing. And then in 2019, that would go to <laughs> both uh, Total Wine, Kroger, and Walmart. Okay. So we're looking now to start training people about our product. Um, some of them could be people that already, you know, buy our products. That'd be a great brand ambassador. We have a lady, um, Deanna, out of Chesapeake, and she does Roots and Fruits wine tours. And on, yes, her, on her bus, yes, on yes. her bus, she serves mimosas made with our sparkling peach mango. Wonderful. So she's a brand ambassador. So we're looking for people that are going to be doing that. Um, we've got to get the word out, right? Yes. Because here's the thing with, with traditional brick and mortar. If it doesn't leave the shelf, it leaves the shelf. It leaves the shelf. It leaves the shelf. I They're not going to let you stay there and collect dust. And you've got some hefty competitors mm-hmm. here. I mean, I'm looking at Cupcake, Middle yeah. Sister, mm-hmm. Flip Flop. How have you distinguished yourself from those, from those larger brands. Yeah, it, that's um, that's been the trickiest part in this this industry. So what we do is um, we actually, how do I say, custom blend our stuff. Right? Custom blend. Theirs okay. is more mass manufactured now. Got right? it. So they're everywhere because they're mass manufacturing. Now I'm not poo pooing on that now because you know we like to be mass manufacturing. So that is a goal. That's okay. a goal. Okay. You know, we want to be up there with the the guys that are doing this. Um, but right now, we're distinguishable because we're small. We can, you know, we, we are offering more hands-on, if you will. When have you ever gone into a store and seen a cupcake representative? Or somebody that says, you know, hey, come try shoe crazy, right? Right, you don't not really, ever. You don't, right. So that's what distinguishes us now, today. I love so it. that we can build out to be a national play. Let's take another call. Black Wall Street Today, this is Blair Durham. Who's there? Hello, this is Gerald. Hi, Gerald. Where are you calling in from? Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach. And you've got a question for Gwen Hurt? Yes, I wanted to know a little bit more. Um, She mentioned a minute or two ago about a company she hired in Richmond that was able to help her with her capital raise. Um, I wanted to know if she could tell us about that company and what that relationship was like. Um, and, And were there steps that she had to go through to prepare herself to be a client of that of that of that organization was it a law firm or or you know that that particular relationship i love it so the question was talk a little bit more about the company that you worked with out of richmond to help with the capital raise project and then what the preparation was for working with them hey um gerald that is a excellent question uh, i'm gonna take it one step further as well so i have to give uh, some props and call out to score 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 Richmond. I have two mentors at Score Richmond. That's Doug Carlton and David Grogan. They're going to kill me for giving their names. Uh Uh-oh. But (laughs) I'm joking. Um, But what they've done is they've been with us every step of the way. And so they've, you know, helped us build out, you know, the... um, our needs. They've helped us with the business plan. We have a full-on business plan um, that they've been very intricate in helping us with, as well as helping us negotiate with our suppliers' payment terms. That was that's very, that. very, very important. And SCORE mentorship comes at no cost, no right? No cost. is free. Okay. It's free. Um, SCORE Richmond or SCORE, it should be one here in Hampton Roads or whatever. Um, yes. Okay, so that's the first step. Now, LeClaire Ryan is a top law firm in Richmond. 
And I met Gary LeClaire four years ago, maybe three, four years ago. He does a series called Encorepreneur for your second stage career. I'm not going to tell how old I am, but that'll give you enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's called Encorepreneur. I met him and he, you know, talked about and asked me about Shoe Crazy. And at that time, actually, we were just very new to the industry. He brought together some investors for me at the table. And not to invest, but to tell me to be realistic about what you're doing. So it was a little less than I thought I was going in. I'm getting money. Um, but no, what I was getting was something, was something more important. I was getting knowledge. You need to be more than just passionate about your product. You need to make sure that you can make money with your product. And you need to build out that type of a business. And so that helped me. But Gary has always been a supporter of Shoe Crazy. And he actually founded LaCroix Ryan. He's one of the founders of that law firm. And so when it was time for us to now do this capital raise, the first person that I went to, and Doug, you know, my score mentor, he goes, hey, if you know Gary, he's the best guy there is in this type of investment. Call him up. And so I sent, I called him up and he picked up the phone and he says, Gwen, tell me what you need. Um, of course, it's not free. <laughs> it's not free. It's not a pro bono, but it's fair. It's a fair, you know, um, cost for what we're going to be doing and making sure that my company is protected. And let me just say this one more thing. Um, what Gary said was in the documents that we were currently looking at to use, there's something called a KISS document. I won't bore everybody with this, but it's a, a tech um, investment tools they use in Silicon Valley. Okay. And we were looking at using that because one of our investors wanted us to use that. He said, absolutely not. Hmm. You are not protected as a business owner with that document. He says, there's nothing in there that says when you sell your company, all your investors must come along with you and they reap the benefits of that sale right along with you. So in the original document, it basically didn't have that in there. It's called a tag along, pull along, bring along, whatever it's called. Um, and if I had tried to sell the company, they could have stopped me because that was not in there to protect me. So it's very important that when you are pulling together these documents for investment, whether it's a VC, a private investor, family, whoever, that you as a company owner is protected. And then I had Edwin who said to me, you're not giving away this whole company with <laughs> Because you need money right now to prepare for Walmart. I have a sense of urgency. I need to get wine on the shelves, right? Absolutely. Um, but the sense of urgency can be the death of you, too. And so you have to have people around you that says, just stop. Just stop. You know, if you do this, you're going to give away most of your ownership in this company if you do a second round of investment. So that's come from Gary. Um, that's come from Edwin and others that have, you know, basically been around me. You have to have people that are more knowledgeable than you are. I hope that answers your question, Gerald. Yes, it did very much. Thank you. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. I appreciate Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Gerald, thanks so much for calling in. Talk to you again. Black Wall Street Today, Blair Durham. How could I help you? Who am I speaking with? Uh, yes, this is Channing calling in from Buffalo, New York. Um, Channing, how are you? For, I'm well, Blair. I'm well. Um, Fantastic. My you got a question for Gwen, uh, then. Yeah, my question is um, your supply line. Um, you said you to have it done uh, before you actually get started. Um, you have wine, and wine, you know, you can age wine, and wine gets better over time. But what if you have supplies that um, you don't want to collect dust? What do you do then? Um, how do you manage your supply line, <clears throat> excuse me, or your suppliers to ensure that you have product when you need it or you're not overstocked with product or holding on to it? 
great question. Question was with regard to something that Gwen referred to earlier, the supply line. Gwen stated, you have to have the supply line in place before you go to distribution. So with her particular product, she's able to kind of manage that because wine gets better as it ages. What about a product that may not get better with aging? How do you manage the supply distribution relationship at that point? Okay, so um, that's a that's a very good question as well. Um, when I say build your supply line, um, what I'm talking about is making sure that you're doing business with a supplier that can supply your product. So when I say build your supply line, um, what I did was is I went to more than one supplier and said, okay, this is the product that I'm buying. Will you have enough of it if I expand out? So you may not have a customer. I didn't have a customer at the time. My goal is to one day have hundreds and hundreds of customers. Can that supplier supply your product if you get into, and we'll use Walmart as an example. They have 4,000 stores. If you get into 4,000 Walmarts, can that supplier supply it? And then you should have a backup, and then you should have a backup to the backup. That's what I mean about building your supply line. So, and I say that because I came from IT. And the batteries, I think we all know, were catching fire. Mm-hmm. And then we had a Thailand plant um, that was affected by the tsunami. Our only supplier. Mm-hmm. No more batteries. <laughs> okay? So that's why I say build your supply line. Build your foundation. Make sure you have that product. Now, if you have a, a product that's not shelf-stable or has a short shelf life, then you have to actually look to forecast so if you, I'll use yogurt for an example, since we're talking about Canada and the, you know, because they'll get a little yogurt over there now, a little more U.S. yogurt. Uh, yes. You know, how long is the shelf life of yogurt? How long is it going to take you to get it from point A to point B? So if your yogurt is developed in the U.S. and you've got to get it across the border to Canada, is it going to survive the trip, right? Mm-hmm. And then how long will it be in the shelf? So you need to have that from your supplier. Your supplier that you buy your yogurt from should already know how long you're going to need to get um, this particular order. So if you're going to order 10,000 containers of yogurt, they know that your shelf life is only going to be five days with them, five days with you, five days across the border, and then in the store. So that's the type of information you need to get about your product first. And then you basically forecast what you need and how much you need. And if, if you're going to store it in your own warehouse or if you're going to take it from your supplier directly to your retailer, if that makes sense. Great question. Yes, when it does. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. That was, mm-hmm. uh, um, thank you for the five-minute masterclass. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That only costs you a dollar. <laughs> I love it, Channing. Thanks so much for calling in. All right. <laughs> we'll talk soon. Yes, we'd love to take maybe one more caller. That's 757-727-5711. If you've got a question for Gwen Hurt with Shoe Crazy Wine, who is now distributing in five big box retailers, mm-hmm. is it? Yes, we are. Yeah, uh, you know what? Congrats to you. Thank you. I got to hear, but, what what's the 10-year plan? I mean, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going from here? Well, here's the thing, too. Walmart is our first national account. The yes. other ones are regional, right? Okay. So okay. it's two different plays. Regional, you're more dependent on those store managers to put you on the shelves. Um, unless you get to the corporate office, and I've learned this, if the mm-hmm. corporate office doesn't put you in their planogram and, you, you know, you're basically fighting the good fight every, you know, quarter, is my wine going to be here? Um, so, for instance, um, I'll use one of your diversity suppliers. Okay. Kroger. We're not in their corporate planogram. You know, we're working our way there. Um, so, we're dependent on each store to stock us with that store manager's space being shrunk 
literally every every um, few months, they're getting less space that they can control. So it's tough for us. Walmart, on the other hand, is a national supplier. Um, they're going to put us in the plantogram. They're doing that, right? So we're more apt to be in on the shelf and more secure to do our thing, to make sure it stays there. So we'll have some more control over that. So that's the difference in where we are right now. So Total Wine, we're in all of Virginia and Maryland. Um, we're hoping to get into North Carolina and expand out. So it's, it's trial, it's tribulation. It really is. Mm, very interesting. Mm-hmm. So certainly you've had a few defining moments by now. Which one helped you realize, okay, this might actually work? Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you, when we had a shift, we had a shift in product. Remember the fires in California? Mm-hmm. Fires in California um, was, a, was a defining moment for us. And our Sweet Harmony was affected by that. And that was one of our best sellers. And I said, this is going to decide if we are selling a brand and a trust to our customer mm-hmm. and our consumer that they can be assured that they're getting a great product at a very good price. Again, we fit in with Walmart's value product, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was a defining moment. We actually had to change the grapes that we were using and I had to then figure out, okay, how do I make it taste the way this one is and get the same quality, okay? And we never missed a beat. That told me that we've got something. We've got a brand and a trust and a commitment from our customer. So that was the defining moment that let me know that, you know what, we can do this. We can do this. What else would you say to someone who's right there? They got a product. Mm -hmm. They are pitch ready. They've Mm -hmm. got some phenomenal mentors. Mm -hmm. What would you say to someone that's going to make that, take that leap? I, I would say prepare, prepare, prepare. And remember, you're not there to give them a show. This is my opinion. You're mm-hmm. there to let them know from a comfort level that you can deliver on the commitment that you're making to them. And that is more important than anything. I love it, Gwen. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Let us know before we go to break, where can people find you? Where can they find the wine? Just remind us again where you, <laughs> where you are. So we're at Total Wine in Kroger. Um, Total Wine and all of the Total Wine and more stores here in uh, Virginia. Um, I would say go there. They have our best sellers. They have our peach mango, our sweet harmony, and our red blend. Um, so I would say they're in Kroger. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. This has been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you will join us again in the future. I sure will. Welcome back to Black Wall Street today. This has been a super exciting episode with Miss Gwen Hurt of Shoe Crazy Wine. Oh, Thank yeah. you so much, Gwen, for being here today. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week.